I'm Dave Monaco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. While we are not ready to launch Season 4 quite yet, when we left you in early May, we hinted at a possible pop-up episode or two over the course of the summer. Little did we know then that, on top of the ongoing pandemic crisis, the country would be asked to confront another long-simmering virus in our country, the specter of racism and systemic injustice. George Floyd's death at the hands of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin left me with a sense of discomfort as one whose life has allowed me to take for granted the very ideals of our country that we honor and celebrate during the week of July 4th, life and liberty, equal treatment under the law, and equity and opportunity. Events of the last month have illuminated once again for me that my experience of America is not one uniformly shared by fellow citizens especially those whose skin is brown or black. It has been uncomfortable to me to acknowledge my privilege once again and wonder if I am doing enough as a person and as a leader to help our community and our country to be fully just and equitable. So, like many of you, I've yearned to take action. I have continued to educate myself on subjects like racism, police brutality, and civil protest, I have put plans in place to help the parish community advance the work laid out in our remarkable inclusive community task force report called We Are Parish, Building a Culture of Belonging at Parish, which our board approved in April 2019. We began to implement that last year before the pandemic interrupted us, but we'll be picking it up with vigor when school resumes in August. But since the social justice protests began in earnest after school concluded, I wondered how our students were doing and what they were thinking. So co-host Amari Hayes and I gathered, and we then went out and found a group of young leaders from Parrish to have a conversation. We intentionally chose individuals with a broad range of perspective. We also sought to use our forum, as inelegant and challenging as it can be over Zoom, to model for our community how we can have civil conversation on the challenging topics of the day, even when our identities and perspectives may be quite different. Omari and I hope to continue this thread into next season when my writing, speaking, and podcasting will be around the theme of together. Joining us today were Chase Barkley, a graduate in this year's class of 2020 and our former student government president, Rising senior Evan Brown, a campus leader who recently led a powerful protest against unjust treatment he and fellow students of color in the North Dallas community received at a local restaurant. And Blair Messman, another rising senior who will be our student government secretary this year and is deeply committed to causes that support America's constitutional ideals. Though we lost Omari for a bit in the middle of our conversation with some glitchy technology, this was still an excellent discussion with some impressively thoughtful parish students. I hope it will serve to advance your reflection on this significant societal moment for our country. Welcome to a Summer pop-up edition, the From My Angle podcast. Not only is it summer and Mr. Monaco's with you, but this is a From My Angle podcast with my co-host, member now of the senior class of Parish Episcopal School, Amari Hayes. Amari, how are you? Hello, Mr. Monaco. I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm happy to have another opportunity to have another podcast with you. Yeah, we, I know. it. We last talked in May. And we brought uh, some students together to talk about uh, the, the, the uh, experience of learning from a distance. Uh, but then I touched base with you a week, 10 days ago, and I said, man, a lot has happened with the pandemic and the social uh, justice movement following Greg Floyd's death and uh, George Floyd's death. And I wanted us to get together to talk about that, not just you and me but to talk about it with some members um, of the student community here. So I appreciate you going and getting some of your peers from the upper school, uh, including an alum uh, now in Chase, to come and join us. So you want to go around and have our guests introduce ourselves for this afternoon? Yes, and um, I, w- I would just like to start off and, and thanking everyone who, jo- uh, who joined today, Evan, Chase, and Blair. I would like to thank you all for jo- joining today, and I hope that we have a really good compelling and um understanding conversation today so if anyone can 
take it off by introducing yourselves and um, what ties you all have to Parish. Yeah, let's start with the uh, let's let's start with the, the the graduate and to bestow the honor upon him. He graduates this Sunday, so uh, Chase, uh, introduce yourself for us, get us going. Uh, hi everyone, uh, my name is Chase Barclay. I'm a soon-to-be Parish alumni, um, graduating this Sunday, um, and I'm part of the class of the of class of 2020. And I want to thank Mr. Monaco and Amari for having me. Yeah, Chase, you played a leadership role as a, as a member of the senior class. So tell everybody uh, what role you played in the community on any number of places that you'd like to introduce yourself or your identity and uh, where you're heading next year. Uh, this past year, I was privileged to serve as the student body president in the upper school. Um, also part of other clubs and organizations in the upper school. But that was my main leadership role in the upper school this year, this past year now. Um, and in the fall, I'll be attending Duke University. Awesome. And uh, hoping that gets off to a, a, a relatively normal scheduled start uh, dealing with the pandemic. So we hope that all plays out for you. Okay, Blair, uh, now speaking of student government uh, member, a member of this year's administration, coming up as a rising senior, get introduce yourself for us. Hi, I'm Blair Messman. Thank you all for having me. Um, I'm just really excited. Yeah, and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things you're involved with at school, just to give everybody a sense of your identity uh, on campus, the things you like to do on and off campus, and what role you'll have next year in, in student government. Well, next year I will be serving as the student body secretary for student government, as well as president of the Medical Science Society. And I'm super excited to hopefully continue um, leading the Young Conservatives Club. Awesome, glad to have you. And Evan, welcome. Uh, how's it going? My name is Evan Brown. I'm a rising senior at Parrish as well and activities I participated in in school. I am an active member of both the African American Affinity Group and SDLC and I am just happy to be here speaking about this topic. Yeah, you're, you're uh, welcome here. We're glad to have all of you. So yeah, Amari, you mentioned this notion of us wanting to have a, a conversation today and uh, this notion what we were hoping to model you and I we've talked a lot about it through the spring actually with these community you know community with a capital UNIT a community conversation that brings groups of students together to honor the different perspectives that they have on issues to have a discussion not a debate you know and I think you and I really hope we can model this for our community and carry it into your senior year next year too yes sir for sure because um because I truthfully and I honestly believe that that it's not always well. I believe that that progress never happens through arguments, and and we as a nation and as teenagers have to learn how to how to listen and um, understand the other the other side. Not saying that you always agree with the other side, but the open mindedness of understanding is very key and pivotal and, and pivotable and pivotal, especially in today's society um, in, in 2020 today. Yeah. You know, our mission statement, Omari talks about preparing y'all to be uh, bold leaders who impact the complex global society for good. And, and I, you know, I, I can't think of anything in the complex global society um, that is easy. Like these are challenging issues, right? And they require, the type of uh, listening that you were talking about, the type of uh, learning uh, to see multiple perspectives that allow one then to step back and, and use the brain that you've cultivated through your education at Parish and you will in college and beyond uh, to make a judgment on uh, how, how you see these complex issues and how you're going to try to move the community that you're living in and leading forward. So that's our hope today um, as we kind of look back on, you know, what's been in just unbelievable really three months since the pandemic crisis came on and uh, really shifted the way we see the world. And then, of course, in this last month, when yet again, uh, racial tensions in our country uh, appeared and, and we've seen uh, this this movement for social justice and equity. So, Amari, let's get it going. I mean, we wanted you to uh, uh, kind of talk and get us thinking about, um, you know, the your identity, you know, and, and, and then have our guests do the same. So, Tell us, and the listeners know you, you've been on a lot of podcasts over the course of this year, but if you were to talk about who, what makes you who you are and what you value, um, 
how would you describe that? And maybe what are some of the key experiences you've had that have shaped your values? Maybe it's a parent or I know in your case, your church and your minister have been really important or civic engagement or service. Like what things have shaped your values and what are a couple of those values that are really important to you? Well, um, one thing, and, uh, and I'd uh, honestly sound quite um, um, cliche, but and treat others how you want to be treated. And I've always um, took that to heart because I've been in situations on, on both ends of this stick where, where I have mistreated someone and, and I've also been mistreated also. And I just feel like that, that if a person truly thinks of themselves um, be do, um, before doing something to someone else, uh, their actions would wouldn't lead to uh, most of the impulsive um, actions or comments uh, that we make. So that's one thing that I've held uh, true to heart. And um, and something that's me is I would say I just like um, good vibes and energy. Because yeah. I feel like that if the energy, that if you give off good energy, you'll receive it likewise and the same with a uh, 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 ad energy so i'm just big in energies because i t because like i said i solely believe that if you have good energy um, um, um around you good things are bound to happen and negative things wouldn't be as prominent um in your life a and in our experience. country if i could say Oh yeah, for sure. Is there a person or experience that's really shaped this this notion of uh, these sort of values that you've talked about? This notion of bringing positive, uh, you know, positive vibes and uh, really being conscious of respecting an, another uh, as you wish to be respected. Yes, sir. I would say, um, um, as I, uh, I, b I believe I mentioned in my um, debut uh, podcast um, last year, um, the time where I was introduced um, to a different atmosphere which is Parish Episcopal, a private school, a um, a um, wealthy institution, I may say. And um, coming from public schools, uh, private school students and people were deemed uh, snobby, stuck up, uh, didn't want to have any dealings with, with anyone else other than they're in a group. And after I um, attended Parish, that quickly changed um, how I viewed um, quote unquote, wealthy people or rich people, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I figured out and I saw that we were all the same. We were just teenage boys trying to play football, trying to have a good time, listening to music and 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 things of, of that sort. And once I realized that, then the whole race indifference as um, regarding to how we interact with one another totally changed for me because now I've, um, I view people more so as humans, not not disregarding their ethnicity and everything that comes with it, but as on a day-to-day -day basis, we're all just humans trying to live life to our full capabilities. And and uh, so that's one experience that uh, definitely molded my view on, on, how I, on, on how I viewed life and people in general. Yeah, it shaped your it shaped your identity. Blair, how about you? Like if you were to say value and a person or place that shaped it, what would tell us more about Blair Messman uh, through that lens? Um, through my family, I guess I've always been taught to be very patriotic and very America first. I have veterans on both sides of my family. And I've learned this from both my parents, but mainly my mom who always taught me and who always said the one way that you would disappoint me is to not honor the flag and not honor your country. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really shaped me just to not only be very invested in what's going on in our country, which I think is very important for whether you can vote or not to understand mm -hmm. what's going on in the country and understand the social and economic things that are going on around you. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I've just very much learned that from such a young age. And I think that's very shaped who I am today. 
Yeah, so Amari talked about the school experience and, and, and coming to a place. You've talked about your, your parents, your mom especially, and uh, so thinking about uh, that element of your identity as an American, which is really uh, critical to you. So that's great to, to get that and put into, uh, put into the conversation. How about you, Evan, when you think about a place or a person and then you know, one of the many values that make Evan Brown who he is uh, and his identity, what, what would you say? For me, uh, I'm going to say it's kind of cliche, but both my parents have, at times, especially my mom recently, have shown me that I am powerful, I am strong, and something that kind of defines me is using your voice, sticking up for what you believe in, even if everyone else is against you, because it just takes one person to make a difference, because everything starts with just an idea in one single individual. Mm-hmm. And I believe, especially with everything that's happening right now, that it is important for us to recognize, especially as young kids, that we have the power to make an impact and that our voice truly does matter because at the end of the day, we're the ones in a couple of years who are going to have to take these positions that we see everyone else in. And I believe that with our voices and as a collective group, and if we just sit down and talk about things such as we are doing now, we can come to an understanding and try to make things better than they are, which I'm not saying they aren't good, but there is definitely room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. We can we can continue to work together at that, even if we have points of disagreement to try to advance uh, advance causes of common importance. Chase, when you think about uh, the, the Chase Barkley you're taking out of Dallas to uh, – Durham, North Carolina and the Duke campus, like what's a big piece of that identity and what's been a shaper, what's been a shaper for you? Yeah. So like Evan and Blair, my parents have really instilled in me like a a core set of values that I've kind of adapted to myself and tried to bring not only to parish, but to the broader community. And I hope to take, I'm planning to take with me on to college and, you know, two, one or two core values is just being compassionate and understanding, Mm -hmm. like understanding that other people, may not have the same experiences or viewpoints as you, but understanding that their concerns and their um, interests are just as valu- just as valuable as your own. You have to under- be able to understand and appreciate others' viewpoints while also showing, you know, your concern, your empathy and your sympathy with their, with their situation, with everything that's going on that you may not fully understand. So I think, you know, that's being compassionate and showing that, um, you know, understanding towards others has really shaped me. Yeah, that's that's uh, impressive and, and hard sometimes to do when it seems like what we're surrounded with in our world today are people screaming from either side. And there's very little uh, of this where we're just trying to sit down and understand, first of all, who are you? So I can honor you for that. And I can know what values you're bringing to a conversation, which you all have done a really articulate job of putting forward. Like we got to start there and maybe listen for some of the commonalities and, and points of alignment just in terms of our personal identities. And then we can start to move into as we're going to. Um, the and so, Mr. Monaco? Yeah, go ahead, uh, Omar. Uh, um, I took cut you off, but as we're on the topic of community oh, no and identity, um, for the panel, what is y'all's uh, um, viewpoint or um, understanding of the identity of our nation in, in today's time, and and how do y'all see the identity of the United States right now? And uh, we can start off with, I would say, our uh, senior. Congratulations for uh, graduating also and getting into Duke. But um, Chase, start off with you. Uh, thanks, Mari. Um, I think right now our, our nation is sort of in, um, obviously, they're kind of two crises that we're facing, obviously, not only with the pandemic, but also there's a serious conversation that our nation is really trying to have um, in terms of racial justice, um, social justice, um, equality. And I think right now our country is sort of trying to find where it is in terms of like our collective feelings on like all these fronts, like not only with how we feel about social justice, there are like a lot of different viewpoints that we're all trying to understand. I do think this is kind of what happens when you have a, like a really challenging problem that we know we have to address in a certain way. But I think one thing our country is really good at doing in the end is finding a way through. We will find a way through this, but I think this is naturally going to be a difficult time that we are all trying to sort our way through, not only as individuals, but as communities, and that we will eventually get through. 
Yeah, do you feel Definitely. like, and Evan um, and, and Blair, feel free to chime in on this. Do you feel like it's good that there are more voices trying to think, work through this together uh, as opposed to just a, a handful? Or, you know, are we still needing to, you know, kind of still need to bring more people to the conversation? How, how are you seeing it, Evan? I absolutely think that it's amazing that we have so many voices. Like, I've seen more voices speaking out on everything that's happening now than I have before. And I think the more the merrier and not only are we having voices when I say voices I mean to the point where we're able to sit down and have conversations with people and not just two sides screaming at each other I think that's what we need to focus on because we're not going to get anywhere if we constantly keep screaming I'm right you're wrong we actually have to sit down have civil conversations have discussions and while I understand that they are very difficult they get easier as they go along and I want to urge everybody that it they are going to be hard at first but at the end of the day, these types of conversations are going to help us push the ball forward and help us get to where we want to be. And I also feel like we, in terms of a country right now, we are in a, we're facing, like Chase said, two different crises at the same time. And I think, like you said, we will find a way. We have to manage both crisis in a both respectful manner, give both the attention they deserve, but at the same time, not just pushing one off to the side because we push one off to the side, it gets out of hand. We push another one off to the side, it gets out of hand. So like Chase said, I feel like we'll find a way, but we're going to do it together, and it's not good to do it divided. So, so it's this time of uh, yearning and, and, uh, and, 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 and transition, kind of a painful transition, and a really complicated one because you've got two really significant generational um, issues at bear and at pressure on the – on the on the community like Blair when you when you try to grab a word or a phrase that's that um, for you describes how you have been feeling Blair Messman like how you have been feeling in this last month what is that word or phrase I think it would be a mix of both disappointed and grateful mm -hmm. at the same time most likely because on one end I am so grateful that our country is making the changes that we need to make. I've always believed that the amazing thing about our country is that there's always room for improvement to continue to uphold the Constitution in a way that everyone is equal. Everyone is equal under God. And to continue to try to correct that and make that where that is the case, I think that's just the most beautiful thing about the way that our country has been set up. And on the other end, I've been almost disappointed in our generation because I feel like there's a lot of isolation. Like what we've been talking about, what Omari said is it's very important for unity in this time and where we can, like he said, there's no, there's no progress going to be made in argument. And I feel like right now, even in our generation, there's a lot of argument and there's a lot of people on both a very radical ends of the spectrum. And so I feel like if we could almost come together as a nation and recognize that there is a problem mm -hmm. and that it may not necessarily be anybody's fault, that it may just be a generational issue and that there are, there are people in the wrong, obviously, but it's not, um, you can't group people into groups. And then if we could just unite and fix the problem, I think we could make a lot of progress. So I think I'm feeling both spectrums. Where are you all seeing this, um, like for, for 17, 18 year olds, where, where are you seeing this, um, this, this, this element that's disappointing Blair? Like, where are you seeing this back and forth? Is it taking place in social media with sort of sniping at each other? Or does it take place in, you know, small group conversations? Like, where is it, where is it happening? Um, or, um, and maybe Blair, you can start since you brought it up. Like, where are you seeing it happening most or, or reading it or hearing it? Well, um, just kind of as an example, I think that people are lumping people into categories right now. And I identify as a Republican. Mm -hmm. And recently, um, I had a friend outside of the parish community. I had a friend since I was three years old. Yeah. And she decided that since I was a Republican, she was going to name me as a racist and no longer continue to be friends with me. And so it was just that kind of thing that I've been seeing a lot on social media that has just kind of made me disappointed because... I would consider myself as an ally. As much as I am Republican, I stand for the black community and I want as much social justice as possible. And I'm here to support everyone, no matter the color of their skin. 
And so it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of um, categorizing people based off beliefs or what they stand for that I think is really harming us in the long run from making real progress. Yeah. Hey, Omari, I didn't get to ask you this question. That was an excellent answer, Blair. Thank you for sharing that. And, and certainly Chase and Evan be thinking about your thoughts about um, where you're seeing some of this uh, divisiveness uh, appearing. But Amara, I don't want to leave you out as co-host uh, to tell us the image or images that have been in your mind the last month. I think we lost Amara, I guess. All right, we'll come back to him. So Chase and Evan, where are you seeing, where are you seeing this um, um, uh, uh, polarization and labeling and grouping, if you're seeing it at all, where are you seeing it coming coming to bear in your in your youth community? Uh, I think that, like Blair said, that we are definitely seeing it on social media. And by saying that, I'm not saying that everything someone has put on social media is immediately starting an argumentative conversation, but there are definitely a lot on both sides. People just arguing and constantly just screaming at each other, like I said before. And I think that something that, um, like, as, as you would know, you can let me identify as African-American or a black man. And there's, like, stuff that's been trending. I know for a fact I've seen people talking about, like, all lives matter versus black lives matter. And some things we need to, like, recognize is, I would say in regards to that statement, that statement is true that all lives do matter. But in a time like this, the reason people are out there chanting black lives matter is because we do believe that all lives matter. And at this moment in time, there's a group of individuals that is not being held to the same standard as any other lives at this moment in time. And there are a lot of people that are frustrated. And I think especially in regards to everything that's happening, we need to keep in mind that this is not a new issue. This is something that has plagued our nation since the beginning. And whenever we are looking at something, we need to think back to that. There are some people who are tired of the constant, back and forth and they feel like because I personally sometimes have felt like with an issue maybe things will change and they haven't and there are many people who are just in that same boat as me they're like they don't know what to do so they are lashing out and it's just it's it's heartbreaking on both sides it's heartbreaking that people feel this way but I get it and it's also heartbreaking that we have had to resort to this and I think that we need to just find some sort of change and as fast as possible before we end up doing more damage than good. Yeah, well well said, Chase. I'll let you I'll let you bring, bring us back around. Mr. Monaco? Yeah, we got you back. Hold on, buddy. Uh, go ahead, Chase. Right, no, I was, no, I was just making sure. Yeah, the beauties, of, uh, the beauties of Zoom. It's all good. Go, yeah. go, go ahead, Chase. Yeah, so I agree with Blair and Evan. A lot of um, – the divisiveness right now and the, the polarization of like a lot of this, these topics right now does come from social media, especially for our generation. Um, but I would say that during this time, social media has been a place where a lot of people have been posting resources and places to learn and how to expand your knowledge and understanding of these topics, which I do think is really crucial no matter the situation. Um, but I would say, especially for like the conversations I've had with people who I'm friends with, um, is that there is a lot of frustration that sometimes consensus over things like equality and justice is so hard to form, even over like something that America should be founded upon that like equality, justice for everyone, no matter um, like their identity, their background. But it seems like this, this issue that seems to be such a fundamental American idea doesn't seem to be um, felt by all people. And that that's a problem that we do need to address like as a nation and i do think like uh, evan was mentioning there is um like a people are tired with a lack of inaction a lack of change over such basic like which feel to be such basic issues over how people are treated and how people um you know feel in this time that seems so basic to many of us and it's just so frustrating that we can't unite and just find us a, a common solution that we can all agree upon and I don't know where that got broken. And I, and I do know that it's, you know, maybe easiest to talk about the ideals of equity and justice and liberty as ones we can agree on. And we know, like when the rubber meets the road, maybe how somebody on the right of the aisle and the left of the aisle is going to want to pursue those ideals differently. 
But, you know, again, can't there be conversation that allows us to move incrementally toward those or even boldly toward those if we could just come together in the same room? But on social media, there's the call out culture, like you're not enough of this. Or there's the fragile culture, like stop shaming me by, you know, for not post, you know, for not posting a picture and everybody just starts, you know, going back and going back and forth at each other. I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering kind of what the in your circle of peers, what is the present what is the present mood? I'm hearing a lot of you talk about frustration about this divisiveness. Um, how would you describe the mood of the peers? And Amar, we'll bring you back in since you've reconnected. Like as you talk to your circle of peers, what's the general mood coming from, um, you know, coming from uh, the, the death of George Floyd um, to the present moment? Like how, what have you heard the last month in your circle? Well, um, in, in regards to the death of a, uh, Georgia, uh, Floyd, and the many others that have passed. Um, most of it, I've just heard from all all races that it's a saddening thing to see that we're still going through in in the twenty first century, and um, especially us younger. I mean, especially the um, younger generation. I feel like that we're um, more open-minded and i think that uh this is most definitely the other generation that's that's gonna to drive and most definitely make sure that change happens mm-hmm. and i've just heard um a great deal of a uh, of a uh, frustration and mm-hmm. also as questioning of why like why is this um still uh, something that we're dealing with and also the the bigger question I, that I often hear is what are we going to do um, to better are they, the um, the uh, civil climate in the United States in multiple areas and not just um, um, in police brutality either. So yeah, you all are what I've been hearing. Here are four really smart kids who don't necessarily see everything the same way, and I'm all hearing you either say yourselves or through your peers. We want to do something like we want action to make it better. And you seem just you seem um, stuck, right? Like uh, not able necessarily to uh, ha- figure out ways that the uh, that adults or others can help you at this point to uh, to challenge yourself for positive change. Evan, I'm wondering, because as another African-American male, like Amari talked about this, this idea of a sense of uh, fr- frustration. I'm wondering, has there been conversation of fear among African-American males in, in your circle of friends in this last month that's been part and parcel of your conversations? Uh, absolutely, there has been, especially because if, for those who may not know, I had an experience within this past month that resulted in a lot of different outcomes, but ultimately it was a good one. And there has been a lot of talk of fear. Like, my friends and I don't necessarily feel as comfortable doing certain things this is this is honestly just being an african-american african-american male in general we don't feel as comfortable doing certain things that others would be doing because we don't want to give any reason for someone to see us as something we're not but especially now in this hyperactive environment we have been very scared and i've even had conversations with just peers that may or may not be african-american talking about how right now they're just kind of scared like of all the just everything that's happening right now. And just there, we're all kind of facing the fact that as of now, we're in a never ending battle and we don't know like when it's going to end. And we hope it will end in the end of racism. But right now we don't know how long it will take or when that will happen. And in terms of how me and my friends are advocating, we have all we recently had an event this past couple of week where we wanted to show support for support against discrimination, as well as we attended a Black Lives Matter march in Frisco, Texas. And we just wanted to do something because especially after the event that we had, we wanted to get more involved and do something, especially as kids. And we felt as if seeing us do something would show others that you don't have to be older or have a certain position to do something. You can just go out there and do something and you are making a difference. 
Yeah, you and a, you and a group of, uh, of, of uh, your friends of color who were uh, treated unfairly at a local eatery uh, and, and told to leave or, or the police would be called, uh, staged a significant sized uh, drive-through protest at that, um, at that establishment, um, which is a sign of, uh, of you being able to sort of act for change uh, rather than feeling uh, you know, uh, powerless as it, as it were. Uh, Chase, and maybe we'll start with you, Blair, on, on this. What's happening in your circle of friends? Like, what is the level of conversation? We've heard frustration from Omari and, and wondering why it continues to happen and, and this element of fear a little bit from Evan. How about in, how about in your circle? What, what are you hearing, Blair? What have been the uh, topics of conversation this last month? Um, I think, first of all, I think every friend that I've talked to, whether it be within the parish community, even with my own family that I've had this discussion with, I think um, we're all in agreement of the horrific act uh, that resulted in the death of George Floyd. I haven't met so far anyone who was in support of Derek Chauvin, mm -hmm. um, the police officer who ultimately ended George Floyd's life. I think that that was a horrific event that occurred. And so I think within that agreement, there is still somehow disagreement, which I just find very interesting because, you know, there's an agreement that this is horrific and change needs to occur. Yet there's an agreement on a disagreement on how we go about it. And I think that's very interesting because personally, you know, I don't support the riots and the looting, but other people think that that is um, the radical way to enact change and so i just think you know there's big disparages against what kind of action is needed although there's an agreement that some action is needed and lastly i want to say that i'm very proud of evan for everything that he's done i attended his rally or his um event and it really moved me to tears so just wanted to say that i was very proud of you yeah a lot of us yes. were in, in that big traffic jam that uh resulted from all those folks wanted to come to support evan and his and his peers it was really impressive Chase, what have been your observations and conversations with your with your uh, peer associates? Yeah, so um, a lot of the conversation has been around, um, I think a lot of it's been about trying to, you know, figure out the way to create a common ground. I, like Blair said, there's a lot of, everyone agrees that George, like the murder, the murder of George Floyd was just horrific and disturbing to watch. And for that to have, there's such agreement, like Blair said, that that was so disturbing and so horrific that it's, it's hard to watch. And, but I do think a lot of the conversation now is how do we make that change that we know, like I, especially our generation is very active and wants to make that change and be that force that we all know we can be in creating a movement that helps solve these problems that we're all facing. So I, um, like Blair said, I think there is a lot of conversation on how we get there. Um, and that is, there are definitely different viewpoints, but there is generally, I would say that the conversation has been active, it's been robust, um, but it needs to keep going and it needs to um, continue so we can make progress as a community and as a nation towards solving these problems. And I do think, um, as Evan mentioned, you know, I, as someone who's not a part, who can't really, has not faced this, this discrimination and racism that others have, like I feel it's my job and my responsibility to try to understand others' perspectives and under, understand their experiences are nothing like whatever I will like feel and I can ever truly understand that experience. And I think there's a point where I have to understand and others that I, I'm friends with, we all agree that we have to understand that we will never truly understand how other people, um, how other people's experiences really are because we aren't in their shoes. And I do think um, like Blair said, becoming an advocate and an ally, not only for in solving police brutality, but for equality and justice for all people is really, really important. And I, I agree. I, I'm really impressed with Evans. I heard how successful it was and I'm very proud of him. So. Yeah, you, uh, you, it was an impressive effort. So let me go around. Like, is, this is interesting to me, Omari. I, I don't know, um, like as, as a middle-aged upper class white um, Christian you know, I have every level of privilege that one could male. I have every level of privilege one's identity could deliver to one. And so for me in this work around diversity and inclusion, since I introduced it at Parish in 2013, has been about constantly having to educate myself, like to just, to just understand 
um, the life that I have not lived and see the life that I have lived for what it is, which is a great life, a blessed life, but one that really compels me to ensure, as you all have talked, I think really eloquently about how we extend similar opportunity and, and elements of equity to others that haven't lived the life that I have. So um, I know like in the last month, I've watched, um, for example, a documentary on Brian Stevenson, uh, Brian Stevenson and his work um, with the Equal Justice Initiative, you know, to, to learn more about that. I, I spent a lot of time for the first time at 50, almost 53, understanding what Juneteenth was this last weekend. I really didn't have any idea, embarrassingly. Like, so what steps have you taken in the last month, Amari, um, to, you know, help to take the feelings that you're having and try to make sense of them and move forward. Have you, have you done anything of significance in this last month that you'd call, uh, call forward? Yes. Yes. Um, so as the other day, um, I, um, I watched a, um, a, a documentary on the history, um, network, I believe called rise up and, it, and it basically talked about, um, um, how like the civil, um, how like the civil rights and the, uh, the, 50s and the 60s, um, it, it, it basically just a showcase and, and and displayed everything that was happening there, um, such as like um, the um, the um, watering of hoses, and also um, um, being attacked by dogs, and, and just seeing those things then, and and also um, seeing somewhat of a, a version of that today yeah it just opened uh, my eyes because i used to be one of the uh, of the thinkers of um well i know that is happening like i don't fear anything like i i don't worry about going outside and i and i think i silenced at understanding and um, um, a reality simply because I just didn't want that to be the truth of the life I lived. But after seeing that, I was like, now I do question when I go outside. And, and as Evan said earlier, and I, I do do certain things, I question either how how I'm viewed or what may happen, mm -hmm. just not by the actions of what I'm doing, but who's actually doing the action. And so uh, saying that then and now, um, it just was kind of heartbreaking yeah. that we still haven't gotten that much progress from then and now. And, and honestly, I do have to thank Tekken, uh, technology and um, companies like Apple, Samsung for coming out with the technology to where we can see these incidents and and um, and ill and ill actions of officers and other people right on the spot. So it's so it's it's no longer behind the scenes. Yeah. So and and, and um, I feel like that it does um, if the truth is in your with evidence, I don't know what you can argue with as um, because you can't argue with the truth. And and I feel like as a human being, and if you have morals, I mean, it's kind of inhumane everything that's happening today. Seeing someone shot down on my phone, I don't care what the race. It would be hard. Um, hard for me to watch and and saddening. So yeah. I just so that's one documentary that I watched that kind of yeah. just that kind of just brought um my um my idea of of the true reality different from the reality I wanted uh, to live in, quote unquote, in a fantasy. Yeah, but, it was called Rise. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it sounds like it really, you know, stripped you of some of your, your innocence, which is, as you said, sad, but also uh, powerful. And, and it sounds like necessary. How about you, Chase? Have you, have you had an, a piece of education or learning or an action that you've taken in this last month that's helped you try to process all of what we've been talking about? 
Yeah. So um, a lot, a lot ever since this started, you know, this movement, I've really spent a lot of time just trying to learn and read about the experiences of members of the black community, Mm -hmm. um, ways to get involved in the movement, you know, which are really prevalent on social media, but just like reading what we can do even in the midst of a pandemic to still support Mm -hmm. um, like donations, um, Mm -hmm. signing petitions, um, and also understanding like the new policy proposals that are being uh, put forward to help s- solve some of these systemic issues we face. Um, like not s- just a specific like one documentary, I think it's just a collection of resources that have been put out like by members across, like not only on social media, but um, websites, articles, um, op-eds that have been really important in kind of framing the this conversation that I've read that have kind of help me understand more and develop my knowledge because I, I think someone mentioned this in the beginning that only through um, more knowledge and more understanding, can we kind of create this dialogue that is productive and ends up helping um, solve this problem that we all know is unfortunately exists. Yeah. Well said. And, and as we'll talk about, as we close in a second, you don't get as much of it in school as we probably should, or that you might like to have, Blair, how have, you put, um, how have you put yourself to action as one who's so civically engaged and committed to country? What, what have been some of your actions this last month? I think one of the most important um, things that have kind of just put a lot of things into perspective for me mm-hmm. has been actually um, Evan's event or mm-hmm. rally that I attended with my family mm-hmm. um, a few weeks back. And I think the reason that that was just so impactful to me is as a white female, this issue doesn't really affect me on a day-to-day basis. And I wouldn't say um, before this whole, before George Floyd's death and before um, all of these protests, this isn't something that I'd say I would think about Mm day-to-day. But as Evan being one of my best friends at Parrish, knowing that such a um, racist and inhumane thing happened to him, really put it into perspective for me because it was just, it became real to me, quite frankly. It became really real to me for it to happen to someone that I was so close with. And so I think that event, plus, as Chase said, just kind of educating myself has been really impactful on me so that I could become a better advocate through this whole thing. So Evan, yeah, you you have uh, participated in a protest of Black Lives Matter up in Plano, you mentioned, and of course uh, helped to stage uh, a significant sized event within the last month. Uh, would you add anything else to your list of uh, actions you've taken in this last month to help you process all that's happened around us in the country? I mean, I just, for the most part, ever since those, I've tried my best to kind of help and sort of educate those. Like I've had a lot of people kind of reach out to me asking different stuff like like we well, of course we spoke to news stations about it but more importantly I've had friends that reach out to me who are like trying to understand not only how they can help but understand in a manner different sort of views that they would have never really thought about and I'm always open to talking stuff like this as long as we're being civil and we're being respectful to one another mm-hmm. and I think it's good that we are having lots of people of different backgrounds like everyone, different backgrounds, different political views, different races, everyone coming together to try to understand this because it takes a village at the end of the day. And I think that it is important that we realize that it's not just one group in a fight against racism. It is us against the fight mm-hmm. in racism. Yeah. And even if the, even if the policy choices and budgetary allocation decisions that we make, we would have honest disagreements about, right? that we can have those disagreements and still honor the perspectives of the other, it, you know, it seems to me to be a better place for you young people of impact to, 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 to go to help advance our broader uh, city and, and metroplex and country to, uh, you know, an improved version of itself, uh, you know, which I think is what we'd ultimately aspire for. So Amari, I think in closing, like it would be good because you and I really had this conversation around, you know, modeling for our community into next year, a year of what will almost certainly be a contentious and divisive election, a year in which uh, the um, elements of, of fear and frustration and anger uh, begetting of the um, uh, issues of, of police brutality and, and racism of the last several months will still be fresh on the mind. Like we wanted to model a way, a, a continued way forward for, for Parrish. So I was wondering if everybody just gave maybe, 
you know, one thing I'd love to see us do at Parish to advance uh, our school and advance our community would be this. And let's see what those answers are. What What are you thinking, Amari, uh, as, as the co-host? Like, what's one thing you'd like to see us do? Can you repeat that again, Mr. Monaco? Yeah, so, um, and maybe let's listen to the other answers. Let me swing it the other way. Um, so, Chase, I'm going to let you go last since you're the elder statesman. But, uh, Blair, like, if you had that one thing that you'd like to see us do, what would that what would that be? I think for me, I don't know if it would necessarily be an action, but kind of a mindset yeah. of going to the next school year kind of of unity as kind of what we've all talked about. I think it's important we not only stay united as a country, but in these times stay united as a parish community mm-hmm. and just kind of, you know, be open to different perspectives and be open to have those conversations because I think that's how we further our progression, you know, mm-hmm. to make change. And so I think just kind of be being open, having those discussions, even if they're uncomfortable, um, and just, you know, kind of corroborating with each other, our opinions and thoughts, I think that would be really impactful. Evan? I think that not only is it important that we do everything that Blair said, but we also emphasize the importance of the fact that there are multiple sources, multiple sides, especially in a time like this where I would say in regards to the media, sometimes you look at one source and you immediately just follow what they say when you have to look at multiple different sources because one source may not have every single fact. But in terms of action for Paris, I think we need to emphasize and heavily encourage and promote and do what we can to encourage stuff regarding racial bias and racism, especially our safe spaces and affinity groups, especially the ally group, I think we need to emphasize things such as that because in a time like this, I think it's important to have as many allies as possible so that way we can conquer this together. Okay, Chase, you uh, sit from the perch of wisdom as the departing senior here uh, and uh, our departing president of student government. So what what say you? Uh, Recommendation. Yeah, so I definitely agree with what Blair and Evan said. I do think the conversations are going to be difficult, but maybe we can, we like, obviously we need to continue those. Maybe we start them in advisories where people are very comfortable with one another, hopefully, and are willing to have those conversations, especially initially with people they feel very comfortable with and then expanding them out to the broader community. But I do think one thing we could continue doing or probably expand a bit more is just um, having members of the faculty, students, um, and possibly outside speakers come in and continue to like share their viewpoints and experiences. Like I think when, like as Blair said, when she heard about Evan's experience, it was really enlightening for her. I do think it's important that people be exposed to the different perspectives and viewpoints and having people discuss them um, openly and candidly, I think is really important as we try to um, advance our collective understanding and knowledge. And as we try to kind of come together as a community and find our solution to this problem. But I do also, one last thing with Evan's, um, with Evan mentioning the ally affinity groups, I do think affinity groups um, was is something that we should, well, as a departing senior, that pair should continue um, promoting actively and very um, much emphasizing that especially allies who want to be there for all groups, especially in this time of the Black Lives Matter movement. We need to be there for the African-American community and we really need to be there um, as allies if if you're not in the other affinity groups. So I do think affinity groups is something we should continue expanding. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I, uh, last year I did m- uh, most of my writing and uh, uh, speaking and Amari and I did our podcasting around the theme of belonging and, and I've chosen the word together for next year and want to talk about what it means to come together in, in, in groups and, and how we are better together and how we are more collaborative and synergistic together, how we act and serve together. So I know Amari and I will be digging into that word somewhat, but I, I also think when we come together in smaller groups, we're better. I think our larger assemblies and uh, forms in which you know, in an upper school, we can't really even do it with the pandemic now, which may be a blessing to a degree, but this this notion of a lot of people hearing um, one person say something is 440 different interpretations of what was said, and I think we do better smaller, and so I do think if I were putting in an idea that uh, it would be that we try to, um, as you were saying, Chase, stage these conversations in some form of smaller 
mixed group, representative group to ensure that the conversations were fertile, well facilitated and honoring of, of all the perspectives there. So I know we want to try that. And Omari, you and I had talked about this model of conversation that you're familiar with as we close out. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Because I think you and I may try to do some of this through the podcast, um, if not through some student groupings this year. Yes, sir. So um, I just think that 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 as everyone has has said, the conversation definitely needs to stay re re relevant, and I feel that that happens and and will happen simply through the process of as I feel like having um or talks about it in chapel or um as in a larger group having one thing that brings different injustices um to our our mind as as teenagers cuz i truly believe that it will definitely be our generation to most definitely make a, a change because as we've seen on social media today so many of our youth are are standing up and speaking out even up against their uh, parents and telling their parents that they're thinking and the ideologies are wrong. So I, so I definitely I believe that as long as it stays on our um, and us as teenagers, we'll be able to decipher between what we want in our society and what we um, don't want in our society. And that has been in our society um, over the last uh, couple hundred of years. So, yeah, that model that you and I talked about takes a, a couple of people uh, on one side of a topic and a couple on the other side of the topic and, and puts them into, uh, you know, a one-on-one -on -one, uh, sharing and exchange of, uh, of their perspective um, just to really focus on how you got us started today, this idea of listening well to someone else, understanding the identity and, and sort of position from which they come to an issue and then honoring what they have to say about it. So I hope you and I can explore that with Blair and the other uh, student government leaders in, uh, in the upper school next year as we really, I think, try to capitalize on the opportunity in front of us as a community to um, take the Inclusive Community Task Force report that was just approved in 2019 by our Board of Trustees that was uh, put together by Inclusive Community Task Force and really lean hard into moving Parish closer to its own identity as it as it says in our mission statement, inclusive Episcopal community, uh, and, and do the work that needs to happen to take you all such talented, uh, young, future bold leaders of tomorrow and prepare you to, with, um, without fear and with confidence, forward into these challenging issues of the day and have an impact that's going to make our community better locally and nationally, globally, in fact, because that's what we believe um, we are positioning you um, to do. So I thank all of you, as I know Amari does, uh, for joining us today on the From My Angle podcast. Uh, I hope it won't be the last time we get this group together um, heading into next year as we talk about being together and what it means uh, in, in today's world. Um, I hope we'll have you back uh, on the podcast. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Amari, thanks for fighting through the technology and being with us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No problem. And um, one thing that I would like to leave out on saying is that us, we should just keep this issue on, on our mind as individuals and, 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 and just think and meditate on how we can make a, a, um, a difference in our small group or community um, in regards to civil injustice and everything. So that's the last thing I have to say. And I also would like to thank every uh, one for joining Evan, Blair, and Chase. And today's conversation was very um, intriguing and I loved it. So uh, thanks y'all for joining. You bet. Have a great, uh, great summer, students. And we'll look forward to seeing you back in August. Great being with you on the podcast today. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. So, I do have two other pop-up podcasts planned for you in July. 
given the daunting challenge facing schools in this historical moment, I wanted to speak to a couple of highly regarded head of school colleagues of mine from outside the Dallas market to assess how they, as school leaders, have tried to navigate their communities through the pandemic crisis and social unrest of the recent month. Look forward to my discussion with Cleveland's Laurel School head, Ann Klotz, in early July, and New York City's Hewitt School head, Tara Kinsey, later this month. They should be interesting conversations. In the meantime, enjoy your summer and be well, and thank you for joining me on the From My Angle podcast.